I thought, well, there's no way they're going to keep it in China. So let's see what happens when it when it gets here. And I don't know how severe it'll be. And it's funny, early on, you can find um, left liberals saying, hey, you stupid right wing conservatives, quit panicking. Right. You know, for crying out loud, it's the mm -hmm. flu. Take your stupid mask off. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. And then it suddenly they realized, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to have that opinion. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Milbank Podcast Network from Milbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. If you want to help support this show as we continue to have conversations with people around the world, you can go to theinterviewpodcast.org, click on the Donate Today button. Otherwise, you can go to whymilbank.com and find the podcast button. There's a donate option there, and you can also see all the shows that come out of this studio. Today on the show, Tom Woods Jr. of TomWoods.com and the Tom Woods Show joins me from sunny Florida, giving us his insight on the state of the world today, uh, how he got where he is, and maybe his favorite band to listen to at least live. Thanks for all your support for this show. Tell your friends about it. Let's jump right into the conversation. Thanks a lot, and thanks for listening. Tom Woods, TomWoods.com. Welcome to the My interview. pleasure. Glad to do it. Um, I initially heard about you, oh, probably about a year ago, um, and your libertarian views intrigue me, and, and I haven't really talked to someone... Um, that was steeped in it. Um, a lot of the perception of a third party, shall we say, in American politics is one of, um, well, why bother? Why waste your time? And so I, quickly, so I don't waste all the show on this, um, why, why a third party um, in the sense, like, like, does it have any legs? Well, I'm not really that political myself. And for a long time, I did not belong to the Libertarian Party, I, which is a has been a train wreck for a long time, and I <laughs> had no interest in it. I was interested in the ideas in the mm -hmm. same way that you could be a small government conservative and say, I'm sick of the Republicans and I'm never going to support them mm -hmm. again, but you would still be a small government conservative. Well, likewise, for me and libertarianism, these days I've become active in it because I feel like because it's called the Libertarian Party, uh -huh. it's understandable that the general public will think that what they say must be libertarianism. It's like how conservatives feel, you know, when Mitch McConnell talks half right. the time. Oh, my gosh, this is our representative. <laughs> so I feel like as long as there's an yeah. institution with the name libertarian in it, I'd like it to be as non-embarrassing as possible. So I would like to fix it up for at least that reason. Um, you're no slouch when it comes to education. You have a, uh, philosophy, master's of philosophy and a PhD from Columbia. Is that correct? That's right. Um, so <laughs> is that where Obama went? Uh, he might've gone to the law school. Actually, I don't remember which law yeah, school he went to. He might've been at Harvard law, but, but it's the same few. It's, it's, it's Harvard, Yale, Columbia, and some Princeton. Yeah. And it's all the same, you know, it's the same, uh, Wheel, <laughs> wheel of the establishment. 
basically. How did you, um, like, what direction did you go, like, out of high school? Where were you going to be as, as, a, as a grown adult? What was your plan? My plan was completely off as compared to what I wound up doing. I, I initially I thought I would be a math major, or there was a there was a concentration at Harvard called applied math, and I was thinking that I would do that. Mm-hmm. And then I wound up not doing that at all. And there is still a part of me that, and I realize I must sound like some kind of lizard person when I say this, <laughs> but that misses doing math. Honestly, I I love it. I I love the beautiful elegance of it. I love it so much, and. I know most people say, oh, I hated math. It's the worst thing in the world. Uh, okay. And I, that's, I understand that. I understand why it's not for everybody, but mm-hmm. I miss it. But anyway, I decided to go into history. And, and uh, that was partly because when I encountered the various math majors on campus, I realized that that was all they did. Like even in their spare time, they were reading books on number theory. And I thought, I don't think I want to be this person. But yet I think I might have to be that kind of person <laughs> to compete with them. Uh-huh. Uh, successfully. So I thought, well, the heck with this, because I wanted to learn history and I wanted to be well-rounded, do other things in my spare time. I wanted to write about the ideas that I believed in. And then I realized that if I went full-blown into history, then I could actually be a kind of public intellectual with opinions that people might listen to. And and I wouldn't have to be focused entirely on equations all the time. And I, I felt like that would put me behind uh, some kind of a, a wall uh, that I would be focused entirely on issues that were entirely remote from what's going on in the world, whereas I felt like some of the history that interested me is of continuing relevance to us today, and so that, therefore, I could have a contribution to make to the discussion of current events, which is what I, was what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I wound up moving completely into history, and now I just tutor my kids in math. Well, that's good. So they have, they have a chance. Excellent. Um, Finally, somebody <laughs> wants to be around the captain of the high school math team. Right. I have found them. They are my daughters. Awesome. How old are they? Uh, they range uh, we, from eighteen all the way down to seven. Oh, a span. Nice work. I've got a yeah. twelve-year span on my my brood. So, oh. excellent. Um, I'm fifteen to uh, to three. So okay. <clears throat> um. Were you always um, articulate, like just speaker? Like, is, is that something that you did as a kid? Even I, I was in uh, did a lot of community theater uh-huh. when I was younger, and that had the benefit of making me feel confident in front of an audience, mm-hmm. and it made me look forward to appearing in front of an audience because there's a thrill and an excitement that comes with it, and I know this. So, so first of all, I'm saying math is great. And secondly, I say, let's do some public speaking. Right. People must think there's something wrong with me. What do I not know? Maybe my third favorite thing is death or something. What is the matter with me? But honestly, it, it is, it's a ton of fun when you have the confidence because you've mm-hmm. just done it over and over. And a, a thing that's really surprising to most people is when I say that it's actually a lot easier vastly easier to speak in front of a large audience than in front of a small one. I, I and, absolutely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And so the yep. thing is that when a small audience, like 15 people, uh, you know, a couple of them might laugh at your jokes, but what happens in a large audience is that there's an energy in the room and then a couple of people start laughing and that kind of gives implicit permission to the others to <laughs> laugh or a couple right. people clap for what yep. you say. And before you know it, the whole room is cheering what you just said. You don't get that with 15 people, you know, and you like that audience feedback. Well, it it's similar to um, 
the new, I, I saw a post on Instagram this morning, um, back a year or two ago, um, I heard someone say, rather than flip people the bird, uh, if they cut you off in traffic, give them a thumbs down. Because uh, it, it, it's, it's expressing disappointment and disapproval, not anger. And it's fun. So I tried it. I was in Texas driving down. This person cut me off. And I just gave them the thumbs down. And it was funny because their face absolutely changed. Because normally you expect anger and mad. Oh, I'm going to get you. Um, but when you have that connection of, nope, that was a poor choice. That's hard. It, hurt. it hits people hard. And yeah, I think in, it does. In, in it a, does. Whereas if somebody is giving is giving you the bird, you think like, this yeah, guy's a jerk. Exactly. You know, you go into your fight <laughs> mode. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. And in a small crowd like that, you can see the whites of their eyes and the disappointment potentially if it happens. So I, I'm with you absolutely. Big crowd. You, you know, it doesn't matter. You're just talking to the wall. Um, when did you start a podcast? I mean, you're t- over two thousand episodes in, so it's not yeah. like you're. Just started. Yeah, sept- September 2013. What was the uh, impetus for that? Just to ha- have a platform to espouse well, I had your been views? Filling, I had been filling in on somebody else's show, which was not a podcast, but a terrestrial radio show, the Peter Schiff Show. And he's mm. a he's a uh, an investor and broker and and uh, and commentator. And he had a Monday through Friday program, and he was a busy guy, and sometimes he needed a fill in host, and I was one of I think there were only two, maybe three of us who were okay. filling hosts. So I would fill in for him from time to time. And I found that I enjoyed that and I got really good feedback. And I had people who uh, would write to me and say, I never heard of you before until you were on this show and we really like you. And then he stopped that show. Uh, he just, it was, too, he said he'd rather just do a periodic podcast mm. from time to time, you know, as his schedule allowed. So I was kind of seeing the writing on the wall as that was coming to be. And so I thought I would do like a spinoff. I'd do my own show. So I started to do that. But it was also because I was so busy working on a major project. I was helping to develop the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum, which is a K through 12 video based self-taught homeschool curriculum. Ronpaulhomeschool.com is the website. That's still current today. Oh, yeah, it is. And I made 400 videos for it. And that took all my time on history from ancient ancient Hebrews all the way up to the present. I mean, that's just exhausting. And I felt like because I'm going to be working so hard, I won't be making my usual YouTube videos mm-hmm. or writing articles, blog posts, and I didn't want to become invisible. So I thought if I have a small, finite thing that I really – because my podcast is, you know, is sometimes we go a little bit over the time, but it's, it's around 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. If I can release this finite thing every day that has my name on it, People won't forget me. Like, that'll keep my name out there right. while I'm working on this big project. So, I mean, you're the opposite of Dan Carlin and <laughs> Hardcore History. His are five, yes. six-hour-long right, monologues. Right, right. And, <laughs> and I, I know he, he's a very, very successful podcaster. And I know that, of course, Joe Rogan does three-hour shows. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that there is some appeal to that. Personally, I don't get the appeal of that. I don't really want to listen to a podcast that's quite that long. So I do these bite-sized chunks that people can listen mm-hmm. to that are that are uh, like commute-sized. Yeah, yeah, which I kind of like because when you get into a multi-hour show, which I end up doing every now and then too, um, the odds of someone sitting through that are slim. They got to really want the content. And so you're right, your stuff. It is nice because I'll I'll do that. I'll go down and. I uh, just listened to um, the interview you had the other day with um, uh, the normalizing normalization of pedophilia. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and Hendershot. Yeah, I mean that. I I just sat there and was kind of appalled. Um, 
Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Sometimes when you release a podcast episode and you know people are going to find it interesting, but mm-hmm. yet you cannot think of a if I if I have a subject line, if I have a title of the podcast yeah. episode that tells them exactly what it is, they're going to think, oh, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they will once <laughs> they, they will. listen to it. Right. So yeah. I have to I, I wouldn't say I tricked them, but I that's called marketing. I, I dress, Tom. I, yeah, I dress it up a bit to make yeah. it to, you know, make it more. Interesting. Well, that one. I was able to have the plainest Jane title because the nature of the subject. I simply called it the normalization of mm-hmm. pedophilia. I don't need to say anything further. People are going to nope. listen to that one. And it's disgusting. Yes. It, um, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, do you play chess? I do. Is there a chess set in the background? No, no. I just, I mean, you're a math guy. Oh. I mean, usually people that tend to oh, think that's strategically right. like uh, that. Well, it's because up till very recently here in the office, I actually did have a chess oh, really? table in here, but I, I moved it somewhere else mm. and I forgot. Well, is he seeing my chess set? <laughs> just my, just in the mind. Um, so did you ever, uh, like, did you grow up listening to talk radio at all? Or did it just fall into your lap uh, being a fill-in? How did that work? A, 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 a little bit. My father listened to Rush Limbaugh, but I didn't really... I didn't really listen to it all that much. Yeah. I just decided, I mean, for me, it's it's very, it's enjoyable for me because I talk to interesting people all the time and I get to ask them the things I want to ask them. Mm-hmm. I, I Sometimes I sit there and I think, I wonder what this person would say to this question. And then I realize, wait a minute, I have a podcast. <laughs> right. I can bring them on and I can ask them the things that are of particular interest to me. You know, that's yeah. hard to, you know, uh, uh, to, hard to beat that. I get to get my own curiosity satisfied in a lot of areas. It's very true. I have similar thoughts too. I just last week I interviewed uh, Dr. Scott Jensen. He's running for governor of Minnesota, um, and he was one of the earlier doctors getting removed from social medias for talking against the COVID narrative. And yeah, uh, so it's kind of fun. And I saw him at an yeah. event, and I thought, yeah, I just like you. I I want to have a conversation. I don't want to have a you know a bite sized little bullet that he's going to throw out because he's on a campaign trail. Um, I remember there was a time, by the way, when I got one of those um, scammer phone calls where yeah. they left me a message and it's it's left in a robotic um, computer generated voice because they all have foreign accents and they don't want to give that away so they <laughs> so it was this thing that the the IRS is filing suit against oh, me yes. blah 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 which of course that's not how the IRS right. works <laughs> and so I knew this was a scam so I called them back and oh, and oh. they answer the phone. Hello, IRS. I wish that was how it worked. <laughs> I know. You know when you, <laughs> you know that's. I wish you could just call the IRS and somebody answer the phone. Hello, IRS. But that's that's how they did it. Uh-huh. And I and I thought to myself, this is. Most people are not going to get scammed by this, but the people who can least afford it will get scammed. Yep. And I thought, ah, it's too bad. You know, somebody can't do something about this. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm somebody. I can do something about this. I have a podcast. What? Did you do so that? I did a th- Oh. So I I I uh, got on there and I had my my whole recording set up uh, ready to go and I recorded myself oh, interacting awesome. with these people and had a blast and then I, I I gave everybody the phone number so that that would of course destroy that particular <laughs> yeah. phone number yep. and now I know there's a law about you have to tell them you record these people were not in the United States mm. and I felt like they were not entitled to be given what they're doing I'll go up against any judge in the world right. and say all right <laughs> yep. you got me but look at what they were doing mm-hmm. <laughs> is it um a law for phone calls like that in, in the US um I when you're recording anybody mm-hmm. in any form there are some states where you have to get the consent of both sides. Right. And because you don't know where that's coming from then. Because I know in South Dakota, it's a one-party consent state, which is pretty handy. 
as long as you're in the conversation. You can't be, you know, yeah. eavesdropping. Right. Yeah. Which which is nice. Um let's move forward a little bit. Um when did you start when did COVID get on your radar? Oh, it, well, it was on my radar before it got to the US. I was curious about what's going to happen when it really when it gets here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what 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 made you do you read international news? I mean, where where were you getting the information? Oh, well, it was being talked about pretty much anywhere. Uh, but but I think at first, most people weren't thinking about it because it was in China. Mm-hmm. But th- I thought, well, there's no way they're going to keep it in China. So let's see what happens when it when it gets here. And I don't know how severe it'll be. And it's funny, early on, you can find um, left liberals saying, hey, you stupid right wing conservatives, quit panicking. Right. You know, yeah. for crying out loud, it's mm-hmm. the flu. Well, you know, wasn't, you know, yeah. Take your stupid mask off. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. And then it suddenly they realized, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to have that opinion. And mm-hmm. then they switched. And, so, I, so and, don't. and th- that's amazing. Just looking at it from just a marketing standpoint, the the flip of narratives is, I mean, it's mind blowing. I, I Have you ever seen it in any other instance in, in history? I mean, you're a student of and, history. Have you seen yeah, this not, ever? Not quite that fast, certainly, where people think. Uh, I've been told, and by the way, in Sweden, mm-hmm. it was a little bit the opposite, that it was more the left that wanted a more open society, and it was more the conservatives who wanted to close things down. So it's just the context, and then people just assign themselves according to their tribal affiliations to whatever opinion it is they're supposed to hold. Mm-hmm. So I was worried about it because I thought, it, it never occurred to me there would be society-wide shutdowns. I thought, well, Geez, I guess some people are just going to die or something. Yeah. I don't know. And we didn't know anything about it or how infectious it was, really. We heard a lot of scary numbers. But then, you know, over the course of a couple of years, you just observe with your own two eyes. I mean, forget about, well, have you stu- have you looked at this paper? Have you looked at that study? And, and generally, in, in a lot of cases, I have. Mm-hmm. But more than that, and more, it's more than that that's going to reach the, reach the general public, your, your own two eyes are going to tell you something. Like, you just went to three giant baseball games. And four concerts, and there were a total of four hundred thousand people combined at these events, and nothing happened. You know, we were supposed to be under the <laughs> yeah. impression that there would be mass death events, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. Or uh, you look at here are two counties; they're exactly the same people side by side. The demographics are identical. They're two different counties; they're separated by a, a one-inch border. They're they're identical demographically, and one of them. Uh, 40% of the people stopped wearing masks because the mandate was removed. Mm-hmm. And another one, they kept them on. And the trajectory is absolutely identical. Now, I know it could be that if it weren't for this mask differential, there would be a wild. Okay. But if you, if you wouldn't say that if you were looking <laughs> right. at these graphs, yeah. they're identical. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what would the graphs have to look like before you would start to say, maybe this stuff doesn't do any good. It's all it's doing is dividing us as a society and killing people because of, uh, well, I have a post on my blog called Death by Lockdown, where I got nine or ten ways that the lockdowns are killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this was all not, you know, this was all a mistake. Maybe this is why the very public health authorities, quote unquote, public health authorities we're supposed to listen to now for years and years and years said, don't do this. If you're in a pandemic, do not do this. OK, well. Remember when you were a kid and you used to say, oh, I take your first answer. Well, I'm going to take their first answer (laughs) when they said this is destructive and stupid. We shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm following the science, the science of, you know, from zero to five minutes ago. I'm going to follow that science. But isn't science always changing? Come on. It's supposed to morph, right? 
Yeah. Well, my favorite thing is, well, since the science has changed on masks or whatever. OK, what science? What is it that yeah. we know now that yeah. we didn't know in March 2020? And of course, then they run out of the room because there isn't any. <clears throat> Did you foresee it all the, you know, because initially the the talking point was and it was amazing again to me. I, I don't know who, whoever the marketing firm that has come up with this is they need clapped on the back because uh, I mean, it was genius. But to get the country, well, and really the world, if we think about it, to say, ah, 15 days, 15 days to slow the spread is all we need. Boris Johnson over there in the UK, 15 days to slow the spread. Uh, Tim Walls in Minnesota, big deal. 15 days is all we need. Everyone parroted that same talking point. And then, like yeah. me, the, the, the fan of uh, a small government um, that I am, uh, I look at that and go, wait a second. When you give bureaucrats, politicians power, I don't, I, I don't know if there's a time where they have ever willingly relinquished it. Well, they might relinquish it, but after they relinquish it, they still hold more than they held before the mm -hmm. thing started. So, you know, there are powers exercised in, during the 1930s and the New Deal or during World War One, uh, and you know, the, the budget, the U.S. budget after World War One went down substantially by about two thirds. And same thing with after World War Two. And so a lot of the emergency powers did contract. But yeah, but it didn't contract. It didn't that's go back down. Exactly. Didn't go, didn't yeah. go back to where it was before. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the so-called ratchet effect. So I don't think that for absolutely forever. Uh, some of the blue states are going to look the way they look now. Mm -hmm. But the damage will be done because there'll be precedent for them to do it again and again and again. And since the public has so little curiosity, it shocks me. Your life is being ruined. You're not even going to bother to look around and see if there's any chance that maybe they're exaggerating this, that maybe that these measures don't work as well as they say. There's just no curiosity about that. So th that's the yeah. real damage. The, the ratings for news for the traditional news media are in the toilet. However, that still seems to be the way that people are hearing their truth that they, they spout about. And I, it, it blows my mind how many people are uh, either unwilling or unable. I'm not sure which one, maybe both, um, to do a little research. And maybe it's part, partly because we have um, somehow we've demonized the, the term Google it. So you have these Google, like doctors are a big, big part of that. Oh, I get people to come in and they have these Google degrees they've figured out, you know, and so they come in and tell me what they found on Google. One of them I asked, I said, have you ever learned something from one of these patients who did that? And he's like, oh yeah. So like, okay. What's okay. the problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, let me jump in on that because I don't have a medical degree. But you obviously don't need a medical degree to look at a chart yeah. of deaths over time. And secondly, nobody, as in literally nobody with a medical degree, took a course in medical school on how to balance the collateral damages of lockdowns against the <laughs> virus mitigation efforts. Okay, first of all, I, it doesn't even look like it did any virus mitigation. But the point is, there's no, they don't take any class in that. They don't know any more about that than you and I do. Mm -hmm. And yet we've been spooked into thinking that they're our priesthood. And so they're entitled to speak and we're not. They're not entitled to speak on this. They have no insight <laughs> into this. Yeah. So so there's that. But for me, the thing was the charts were not telling the story 
that we were hearing in on the major news networks, the charts. So, for instance, the state of Iowa in February 2021 lifted all state level COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. And the Atlantic Monthly, the Atlantic wrote an article called Iowa, the state that doesn't care if you live or die. <laughs> now, how did the numbers go in the ensuing months in Iowa? Continuing down, 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 down. Was there any apology? I asked for one on Twitter. You're going to apologize for saying such a terrible thing? And given that the exact opposite of what you implied would happen occurred? Of course, no response. They're on, she's on to the next fanatical thing. Mm -hmm. No response. So then you look at, a, at a, uh, a graph of the Midwestern states at large, and they all have the same kind of trajectory. But you don't label any of the states. You just say these are the Midwestern states. And you say to people, pick out Iowa. If these things really, really mattered, Iowa's number should be up like this, yeah. and the rest of them should be down the bottom. They're all identical. Mm -hmm. Why does that not make you curious? Why do you not care about that? Now, sometimes if you if you try to say, uh, look, in Sweden right now, nobody's wearing a mask, mm -hmm. and their deaths are like a handful. You know, Nobody's wearing a mask. They have a, a handful of deaths a day, if even that. If you say that, they say, oh, they've got all, all kinds of arguments. They say, well, Sweden is a... Uh, is more sparsely, it's not as densely populated as some of our, okay. So they've got every excuse in the world. But see, when Iowa dropped its state level restrictions, did you notice that nobody said, oh, don't worry about it. Iowa is very sparsely populated. Right. They don't really yes. need those restrictions. Yep. You know, so, so, right? So mm -hmm. it's whatever they need to say to make their crazy theory hold together. Mm -hmm. Well, M Minnesota and South Dakota obviously border each other. Um, Minnesota took a tact of lockdown controls across the board. South Dakota, thankfully, did not. And it's Minnesota that I see all of these headlines that they're skyrocketing, hospitals are overflowing, they're full, all the stuff, the problem. They're the ones that did all the right things, in quotes. Quotes, yeah. And South Dakota has gotten lambasted for not doing the right thing. I mean, I, I have some people on my social medias down in the Sioux Falls area. Um, and it's amazing because their position is, holy crap, the sky's falling and I need a government who will tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. I don't understand that as a mindset. And it scares me that we have people that that's their thought is government has to be the one to tell me what to do. Meanwhile, the Netherlands are back in hard lockdown, mm -hmm. even though they had a full blown vaccine passport system. Yeah. So I. At this point, you have to just joke about it. You have to you cannot take these people seriously. So on Twitter, I said, uh, Netherlands back in hard lockdown. I wonder if they tried a vaccine passport system. <laughs> oh, wait. So it doesn't do anything, just yeah. like everything. The Apparently, viruses just spread. That That is the lesson. Viruses <laughs> just spread. Yeah. Because they even tried the stupid vaccine passport system, and it didn't do them a bit of good. So in your... Uh research and talking to all the people that you get to talk to um is the vaccination program um did it do any good all right well here first of all before i say that say anything about that with regard to the charts yep. i have an e i have an ebook where Ooh. i put my favorite charts Perfect. the ones that they, it would be like uh you know a crucifix in front of dracula to these people you know <laughs> if, if for them to see it um, so it's called um, um, COVID Charts CNN Forgot. Okay. So I bought the domain chartstheyforgot.com. Oh, perfect. So you can go get that. It doesn't cost you anything. And it, it's, it's, it's really delicious to flip through <laughs> it. So, okay. 
the the thing is, I have to admit that with regard to the vaccination thing, I don't know what to think, Mm -hmm. honestly, because you hear so many people and I hear people whose judgment I respect very much on both sides of this thing. On on the one hand, saying um, it, it contributes to, as we've all heard, we all know the party line that it, it reduces deaths and hospitalizations because it, it, it yields, it makes you present with milder symptoms. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then other people say the vaccine was getting credit for natural ebbs and flows that occurred anyway. And, and because that was, you know, when the vaccine was introduced, we're, we're coming out of the winter, the numbers are already coming down. Mm -hmm. So the vaccine is going to get the credit for it because that's the, the the vaccine religion requires that to be the explanation so i've heard that and now i don't know the science of it so on that i've stayed more agnostic i know how to read charts that i know and i do know also that there are well a lot of countries where this this narrative that oh it's only the unvaccinated who are causing problems in the hospitals that that does not hold that that does not hold so so So, is that a deliberate lie or just a manipulation of the truth or is no, that some different? of it, some of it may it some of it may be true in the short run. For all I know, in the mm-hmm. U.S., uh, other people say the U.S. data collection is much sloppier than in European countries, where the numbers are not nearly as skewed, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. So uh, there's that. But also the initial thing of 99 percent of the yeah. people are are um, are unvaccinated or whatever. Well, it it turns out that when you look at what's the data they're using, they start in January when almost nobody was vaccinated mm-hmm. and then they go up to like June. Okay. But the thing is for that early, like a solid half of that. Yeah. Almost nobody. So of course everybody's going to be unvaccinated in those numbers. So something's fishy about this. Like they keep on, and this isn't just with the vaccination. It's like with these, some of the mask studies mm-hmm. when they aren't dealing with just mannequins, they're, they're doing studies that say, ah, here are two counties in Kansas. And let's look at this, this range of time and see how the masked one versus the unmasked one did. Well, then when you blow up the data and you look at the rest of the timeline, you realize why they chose that narrow sliver. Because <laughs> that's the one that works. It's the only <laughs> sliver where the masked yeah. county was doing better. And you think, yeah. that's not a coincidence. That didn't happen by accident. So you just, at this point, you have to be skeptical of them. So ha- I want to see the whole yeah. thing. I want to, you know, and especially since what we have is example after example after example after example of two demographically identical places, one fanatically masked, mm-hmm. one not, and there's either no difference or the unmasked place is doing better. Yeah. Or what they, what you can do is look at when did European countries introduce universal masking? And you, so you look at their chart of, of number, you know, whether it's deaths or whatever it is, and you say, I wonder where on this chart masking came in. So most people would think, oh, it must be when the chart went way up and then here they introduced masking yep. and then it and came, came back down. down. Well, as I've shown in, in I, I actually created a website, uh, covidchartsquiz.com. So it's <laughs> COVID charts with an S quiz.com. To, to ask people, where, where do you think? Mm. Where do you think the mask uh, mandate went to effect? It turns out in every European country, it's completely random. Sometimes it's just before the big spike. Sometimes it's way after the spike has already ended. So there's no pattern. It's, there's no pattern. Mm. And so I just ask people, you place, you know, pin the masks on the chart <laughs> right. and no one can do it. Now, they should be, if any of this did any good, they should, this should be a breeze. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a death number that's being calculated. So somehow they're pulling this death number of what over 800,000 people now um in yeah. America that have died. So is that an accurate number? 
I mean, is, is this thing really this deadly? I, again, this this one is hard to know. We obviously know that there have been that there's there's been a, a playing around with people who died with or from right. COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no, at this point there is zero question about this. And initially, the fact checkers said false. It's not true that hospitals get subsidized to the mm-hmm. extent that they have COVID deaths. And then it was, okay, that is true, but it has no effect on anything. <laughs> you know, so the, the pattern seems to be, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist if you think X is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then step two is, okay, X is happening. And then step three is, it's great that X is happening. <laughs> Just again and again, right? No one is at like, for example, yeah. there was a reporter who said, and I'm sure there were a bunch of them who said, Ron DeSantis is lying to you when he says that soon there'll be places where you have to have a booster before you'll be considered fully vaccinated and able to New work. York City. Hello. New York City just yeah. did it. Yep. <laughs> you know, so that, wow. and then before you know it, that same reporter will be saying, and thank goodness New York City just did it. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be a while before we're able to really sort out and figure what's going on. To me, the thing that matters is X number of people died. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, did all these sacrifices everybody has been very uh, has has been asked to make? What good did they do? Yeah, would they it, did they did they pre- would mm-hmm. they have prevented any of these if we had done them right. even hard? Well, and and that's where you. I mean, had we done nothing mitigation wise, would it would that number be different? There's no way to know that. Now we were told all day long that holy cow, if we hadn't done this, we'd all be dead. Right. But yeah, but the thing is, the same people who say that told Sweden uh, that by June of 2020, if they didn't ha- have a hard lockdown, mm-hmm. they would have 96,000 deaths. Well, they had 4,000 deaths without a lockdown. So these are the same people. Oh, if it hadn't been for such and such, mm-hmm. thank goodness for these people and their contrary to fact scenarios that they're not able to go test them <laughs> because it's because it's bad enough that yeah. they when they, they say something like this and then in real life, we're able to say, you know, hey, you were mm-hmm. off by a factor of 24. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. Uh, so that's to me, that's the thing is, could they have been avoided? And then also the, the other side is what other deaths were caused because we were monomaniacally fixated on this one thing yeah. in an extremely unhealthy way and, and very, very selfishly demanding that everybody abandon things that bring them joy and, ab- and, and forever take away irreplaceable memories from children. I mean, that's extremely yeah. selfish. Uh, and also to make these demands of the developing world where they're living hand-to-mouth existences and you're going to make them starve. I don't think it gets more selfish than that to make that kind of demand of the developing world. Now, in the developing world, even the New York Times admits that because of supply chain problems and hysteria among the, again, public health authorities, there will be 2 million excess deaths from HIV, malaria, and tuberculosis. But that's, that's baked in now and unavoidable and can't be stopped because of the fixation, not to mention they have an, I mean, we have it in the U S but even in the UK, in the UK, way worse, um, uh, an undiagnosed cancer. Crisis, oh yeah. That they're, and these yep. people are not going to, they're not going to die next week. No, it'll so be you, five you or 10 years say, down the road. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So people will live shorter lives yep. and, and really healthy, young, robust people yeah. who could have survived. Mm-hmm. And, and this just goes on and on and on down the line. As I say, I have this post death by lockdown that really uh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming all the different ways that the damage has been caused. And then you ask Dr. Fauci about it. And he actually said, well, I've, have, they said to him flat out, have you considered that there might be 
collateral damage to these policies. And as late as September or October, he said, no, I, I, that's not my yeah, That's area. not his expertise. But, yeah. But that is but that but what is public yeah. health? Right. If not a holistic approach to all of the health of all of the people. But but we've turned into and I asked Dr. Scott Jensen about this. We've turned this into a single option fix. And why has there been no no um, communication at all about things you can do to maybe be healthy? Yeah, well, there's one exception to that. I live in Florida mm. and the state attorney general, whom they hate, <laughs> recently <laughs> said, here's some guidelines for staying healthy, particularly in this day and age. And it's about vitamin D, right. vitamin C, zinc, exercise, getting outdoors. The kinds of things we've been wondering for a mm -hmm. year and a half why no one is saying, he deliberately said, not only because it's true, but I suspect because he also feels like it'll trigger all the right people, that he's giving <laughs> actual health advice as a public. I mean, that's the last thing you're supposed to do yeah. in, when you're in charge of public health. And now, great thing about, do you know about Joseph Latipo at all from Florida? I, no, I don't think so. Oh, this guy is so great. So he's got a, a PhD from the School of Public Health at Harvard, and he has his medical degree from the medical school at Harvard, and he's an African immigrant. Hmm. So the media <laughs> doesn't know what to do <laughs> because they can't say he has no credentials. They want to criticize him, but he's an African immigrant, and that she's African and immigrant. Oh, that that checks off two major boxes. And he is absolutely has no patience whatsoever for monomaniacal fixation on one thing. He says in, he says that's over and done in, in our state. We don't do that. We look at all of public health and we also look at the, the contributing factors to what might make somebody more liable to mm -hmm. get sick. We're going to do those. So in other words, we're going to be normal and sane, and we are not going to run a panic-driven response. Well, uh, well, of course, the media yeah. thrives on that, so they well, can't stand this. It doesn't sell ads, absolutely. Um, but we don't like this. Can't be about health, ever. When when everything is off the table except one product, they can't be about health. At this point, especially now that you know the absolute devastation yeah. around the world caused by lockdowns and stuff, to continue to do them, mm -hmm. especially after you said uh, the vaccines will get us back to normal. Yeah, that's you take your mask off. And now I just saw President Biden walking down the airplane steps from his airplane yesterday in a full mask outside. What are we saying? And he also had the the gall, in my opinion, to say that if you get your vaccine and you get boosted. Um, that's going to protect you against death. I'm sorry to make that claim for anyone to make that claim is just um, irresponsible at best. Well, so now we we have to figure out how we as people are going to deal with the continuing craziness. And to me, I'm lucky that five years ago we decided to move to Florida. Mm -hmm. And here I don't have to, I, I really don't have to worry. I, I mean, there are still problems. There are still way too many people masked. Florida went and became the state in the union with the lowest COVID case rate. And they're still masked up, some of the people here. And I'm just wondering, well, then what what would you be waiting for? Like, what would be the thing that would make <laughs> right. you not? Yeah. And, and, they're all, and, and the thing is, what I don't understand, what I really don't understand is the person walking through the mall with the mask below the nose. Yeah. Now, now. <laughs> <laughs> because according to the mask religion, you have to have the mask over the nose and the mouth for it to do any good. Now, I, I still doesn't seem to do any good, but at least that's what they're supposed to believe. 
if you're not doing that, why are you wearing it? Like, what do you what do you think you're accomplishing with this? Well, who's telling you wear the mask, but make sure it's below your nose? Where mm-hmm. are they getting that particular directive from? Or these the really, really dumb blue cloth masks that seem like they're like a piece of paper. Yeah, we have the deadliest virus known <laughs> right. to man. But this I'm, piece I'm of paper ought to do it. Yep, I'm good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. What? I, what? And, and, and there are huge holes on the side. Uh, yeah. So, you know, as uh, interestingly, it was uh, Dr. Osterholm, who was a Biden advisor on COVID, who said these masks are like you're going to close three out of five of the windows in your submarine. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? The water's still right. coming in. Yeah. Curry calls him Dr. Death. <laughs> well, why are you people still doing yeah. this? So so the thing is, I was just saying on Twitter the other day, I wish I could stop myself. But when I walk by people who at this rate, who at this point are still wearing masks, who have absolutely zero curiosity about any of this they're still wearing masks i just i can't stop myself i just mutter under my breath like what what do you think you're accomplishing what do you think you're doing have you not seen any of the charts did you just not look at any of them none no cnn said one thing and that's what you're supposed to believe so here's the question i have and i i'm trying to just figure out what to do in my own family and life Uh, how do we rebel properly to to these kinds of overreach well, to the extent possible, you 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 resist. I mean, uh, you at, at this point, I'm just not I'm not doing the mask thing anymore. I mean, unless it's a thing where I'm on an airplane and I've got to get somewhere, right. I'll do that. Or if my child is in the hospital, you know. But otherwise, this is just not happening. It's stupid. It doesn't accomplish anything. At this point, if you have three brain cells, you have to know it. If it if it accomplished something, this would have gone away. Mm-hmm. We've had countries with 95 plus percent mask compliance and their cases are through the roof, you know, so it's, so I'm just not doing that. And what you and the more of us who do that, the more it becomes normal because there are a lot of people out there who do it because they think everyone else wants to do it. And oh, is it so just group think then to some degree it is. Cause I, I think the, the person with it under the nose and yet is still wearing it mm-hmm. when they don't even have to, I mean, if it's under the nose and it's a requirement, then that person is, that's an act of civil disobedience in that case. But if it's not a requirement, then it's just plain stupidity for you to have that thing on. So yeah. some people are doing it because everybody's doing it. And as soon as it stops, they'll stop. Or, or as soon as there's no law against it mm-hmm. or law requiring it, they'll stop. And, and I know that that's the case because I was in Charleston, South Carolina, the very day they shifted from an outdoor mask mandate to no outdoor mask mandate. And you get told all the time, oh, people wear the masks with or without the mandates. So you can't compare charts of places with mandates and without, because even the mandate places, uh, the, the non-mandate places, people still wear them yeah. out of conformity. Okay, well, I got to observe it for myself. <laughs> the day they got rid of that outdoor mask mandate, <laughs> at least half the masks were out the window. Yeah. The day. So so number one is think of places in areas in your life where you could engage in a little bit of civil disobedience that would encourage other people. Second, I would patronize businesses that are the least insane Mm -hmm. and let them know that you're patronizing them because they're the least insane. I I would join. There's a group for practically every state reopen such and such state that you can find on social media join those groups network with each other get to know each other show up to the town council meeting with big numbers because a lot of people who just go along with the flow they just figure well everybody agrees with me what's the need for me to show up at the town meeting yeah but when you know you're in a minority but a a strong tough determined minority Mm -hmm. you do show up at those meetings and you should 
So you coordinate with people. I mean, things like that are at the very beginning. And then, frankly, it may be necessary to think about you may have to move. And moving is an ordeal. Yeah. No one wants to do it. It's expensive. You uproot yourself. It changes the way you think about the trajectory of your life. You imagine that you were going to retire in such and such state and you were going to have grandkids there and they were going to have all these certain experiences. And suddenly to have that ripped away from you, mm-hmm. that's not a small thing. Yeah. That's not a small thing you're asking of somebody. But it may come time uh, uh, that uh, to, you know we may have reached the point where you have to think about that. I never thought I would be at that point in America, but unfortunately, I think we're there almost. I I refuse to visit. I mean, I, I've had the virus recovered. I am not getting vaccinated against something I have already had mm-hmm. already. Just absolutely not will not do it. So when I see American cities saying because I guess Philadelphia in, uh, is on the oh, verge yeah. of. I read that closing too. restaurants yep. to, to people unless they can show proof mm-hmm. of a vaccine D- down to like eat, like five five years old. Yeah. So that ruins that'll destroy restaurants. Yep. That will that will destroy them. And and that stinks for those restaurant owners, but they should have banded together and resisted this earlier. Well, you and, know, and this, this yeah, that's the other thing. How do you at this point? Because everyone initially thought, okay, we'll do the right thing. You know, that the, these benevolent leaders have have our best interests at heart. They're gonna, you know, we'll we'll follow along. Well, we're down the road a year and a half, almost two years now. You almost can't go backward at this point, absent some real pain. Well, what, what's going to have to happen is that in those places, those those cities are going to suffer. Mm. For example, New York City. Mm-hmm. It costs a fortune to run a, a really good Broadway show. You have no idea how much it costs to keep that thing going. You need... Filled seats night after night after night, and you'll scrape by. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to do otherwise. Now, with the mandates, mm-hmm. New York has now cut off uh, domestic travel by 30%, at least yeah. with, just with the adult mandate. Yep. Now, age five, right now, <laughs> maybe between 15 and 21% of kids in that age group have been vaccinated. So now you're cutting out 80-plus percent. Yeah. Of, of, and then, of course, you're cutting out all international tourism, just about because in most countries you can't, you couldn't even get that child vaccinated if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, how are they going to keep that business model going? They can't. There's so much of what makes New York robust that involves tourist dollars, and you're going to say you're going to cut even if they vaccinate the young kids. Mm-hmm. There are they're going to be refused Nick's forever. There will always be at least 20%, if not more. You're going to say you're just going to write off 20% of your possible customer base. Nobody in his right mind would do that. Yeah, that that 20% is your your profit. (laughs) Yeah. If you could increase your customer base by 1%, Mm -hmm. you you, you know, there are people who would slit their grandmother's throats to get that. Yeah. And you're going to cut. So these, I mean, and and again, restaurants, you can't take your five-year-old kid. They're going (laughs) to suffer. Yeah. And places that don't do that are going to experience a renaissance. Yeah, that'll be the first step is get the merch. And, you know, it's interesting. The the Stamp Act back in U.S. history in the colonial period, 1765. It was it was the British merchants who resisted this vociferously, in addition to the Americans, and said, if you anger them, you were going to make our lives really, really Mm -hmm. uh, difficult because they're boycotting our products. (laughs) So the. The British merchants couldn't care less about some stupid tax in the colonies until it hits them in the pocket. Right. 
And then suddenly it's at all costs, you mm -hmm. have to take that tax off. So maybe something similar happens in the U.S. Well, but we have to, in order for that to work, I think, don't we have to stop the governments from bailing these industries out? They do. Uh, we do have to do that. But after a while, there has to be, it has to become a little bit unpopular to bail out. And, and you just, <laughs> where are you going to get the money to bail yeah. out Broadway? I mean, there isn't going to be that much federal money coming that way. Well, Chuck, and New Chuck York Schumer's State from is, there. Come on now. <laughs> but New York State is a basket case at yeah. this point. Uh, I, I mean, Andrew Cuomo was begging and pleading with rich people to come back so that he mm -hmm. could fleece them some more. Yeah, uh, it's insane. it's a and it's a hardship. People are leaving like crazy. I don't know how they do it. <sighs> What's your favorite band to see live? Oh, that's a good one. Boy, that is a good one. Um, well, in the old days when they had all the members and they weren't two competing bands, my favorite band would be Yes, because their early really? material, their early material is uh, majestic and amazing and astonishing to listen to especially live. It's almost like a religious experience. It's so incredible <laughs> and moving. But these days, I will say the best band you have never heard of, which has just reformed, is Porcupine Tree. And I will, I will go to three cities in a row to see them, all really? non-vax requirement cities, when they announce the U.S. dates next year. Porcupine Tree? Yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. I will send you a few songs. <laughs> I am I'm intrigued. What, what genre? Okay. Uh, progressive rock. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> so it's not just the same old verse, chorus, yep, verse, yep. chorus. Do, 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 No, 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 no. Way more interesting than that. All right. <clears throat> so it, it, is the rock world kind of where you live or, or enjoy, I, I, I should say? Most traditional rock music kind of bores me because it's entirely predictable. Here comes the guitar solo. Mm -hmm. Here comes the, you know, here's the bridge. Here's the, I, I like something that mixes it up that, where the tempos are, are all, you know, unusual. Or, so does dream theater uh, do anything for you? Yeah. Dream theater does okay. something for me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and by the way, I saw them no. in London, February, 2020, <sighs> just before the world ended. Wow, that would have been dynamite. At, the, at that at, point, at, they had a new drummer, be, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think he's been there for at least a few years now. Okay, but but I, I could be wrong about that. But um, this was at the what used to be called the Hammersmith Apollo, which is a legendary venue, and it was a packed, sold-out crowd. And it was so great to buy the T-shirt and have it say European tour on the back. <laughs> and then when I walk around, Dream Theater fans will think yep. this guy is better than I am. <laughs> That's right. Because he saw them on the European <laughs> tour. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, they're on my list at some point. I'd love to see them. Um, I got to see Chris Stapleton live a few weeks ago. And for oh, good for you. Just I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I've been a sound engineer most of my life, like live sound. And uh, I rarely can go to a concert or an event that involves live sound and not just cringe because there are issues that I, that I think I you're fix. critiquing it. You're, yeah, you're thinking I could have fixed Absolutely, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I probably or, couldn't, or have, this, but I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, but this show was an exception. <laughs> Holy cow. I've never been to a concert where I thought this is the best sound I've ever been in. And it's in a big arena. Whoever that wizard is that managed that system. I, I'll tell you what, he needs to be paid a million bucks. Phenomenal. Wow. Okay. I don't care. Phenomenal. The best sound I've ever heard live since i know you're a sound engineer i'll say this for a long time i have been a jethro tull fan and okay. i've seen ian anderson perform many times 
But since the mid 80s, he's had. So I've never seen him before he got his throat infection mm. that really compromised his ability to sing. So he brings everything down so he can reach the notes. That's mm -hmm. okay. But I would I've seen them probably dozens of times. And every time I would say, geez, Ian's voice gets lost in the mix. The sound guy needs to bump yeah. him up. There's no way that's a coincidence. Dozens of times yeah. in all different venues. He's asking them to lower him in the mix. Mm. So you can't hear how bad he's right. struggling. Yeah. That's There's true. no way yeah. that's a coincidence. At, at that level, it almost has to be. Yeah. I, I followed yeah. Big yeah. Mick for several years. He's Metallica's front man, front of house man. Uh, he looks like um, a bigger around version of um, uh, Gandalf. <clears throat> Just okay. huge. Anyway, I saw them in Grand Forks, North Dakota about three years ago. Um, on their one of their big tours they had and i thought i'm never going to see him again never going um but i want to yep. see this show and for me i could give a rip about the band i just wanted to find big mick around the place <laughs> it was so weird that sound sucked the cost well the, the, uh, it was horrible it's funny you mentioned metallica because they have a bad history with jethro tull because in 1988 metallica was up for hard rock heavy metal grammy which they've since split into two categories, hard rock and heavy metal. Because of this, <laughs> Jethro Tull got the award over them. And Jethro Tull is obviously not a metal band. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ian Anderson is a flute player. You know, so <laughs> so Metallica was they were they were there in person. They performed. Jethro Tull didn't even show up for the award ceremony. They win it. <laughs> and everybody's up in arms. They don't even qualify. Right. They should be disqualified from this award. <laughs> and so then Ian started taking out. Uh, he took out a full page ad in Rolling Stone. Uh, with an image of a flute saying the flute is a heavy metal instrument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. All right. Last question, Tom, before I let you go. Um, <clears throat> favorite meal. Oh, wow. That is, you know, it's funny. We talk about this a lot. Like what would be your last yeah. meal or something? Um, I think it would probably it's, this is pretty conventional, but I, off the top of my head, I can't think of, um, better but i guess i would start with uh, uh i don't know how to come up with the exact soup and salad combo that i want <laughs> to begin with but i would say i want a surf and turf i want i want lobster tail with um uh but then i would like to share a, a tomahawk steak with some i, I want to get a tomahawk for two yep, that we yep. share that's sliced for us mm -hmm. and then with a um with asparagus or a uh, or a cauliflower or gratin, Ooh. Uh, with with uh, with maybe a uh, a sweet potato to 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 round it out, mm -hmm. uh, but probably something like that, and then a key lime pie and coffee. Ooh, coffee black yeah. or with with something in it? Uh, cream only. Which kind? What? Okay, which kind of cream? Are we talking like half and oh, half oh, or heavy cream? Oh, what whatever the whatever they bring. Ah, to come table. on, I'm you got it. <laughs> uh, how is your steak cooked? Well, it should be cooked medium rare, but I'm only able to eat medium. All right, whatever. <laughs> TomWoods.com. Well, the, the, the texture doesn't work for me with medium ah, rare. Okay. It's too, I, I, I need just that little bit extra of toughness. Okay. But when you order it medium, you're running the, I mean, if you order medium rare and they overcook it, then you get medium. That's still edible right. for yep. you. But if you order medium and they overcook it a little, then you're in medium well territory. Mm -hmm. That's just yeah. down to that. Just like you in the car, I'll give that the thumbs down. That's right. So Medium disappointing, well. right? Yes, right. Uh, Tom Woods, thank you so much for giving us the, this time today. TomWoods.com. Um, you're on uh, the YouTube. You have, uh, I, I think, you still on YouTube? You are. 
Yeah, it's mostly just the audio of okay. my show, but occasionally I do a video. You can find the Tom Woods Show easily. You can even type in tomspodcast.com into your browser. Ooh, interesting. Nice work. And you'll get a list of a list of all 2,000-plus episodes. That's fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Uh, I wish you well. Have a wonderful uh, Christmas and a happy new year. My pleasure. Thank you. You too. You bet. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Tomwoods.com. If you want to check out all his books and uh, writings, the podcast today as the Tom Woods Show. Thanks a lot, Tom, for taking the time to chat with us today and give us your insight of the world. This is the interview podcast on the Hawaii Millbank Podcast Network. From Millbank, South Dakota, I'm Craig Weinberg. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want to help, the support, help support the show, you can go to theinterviewpodcast.org. Click on the Donate Today button. And you get to decide the value that you get out of the show and turn that into dollars and send it our way. Everything helps and is much appreciated. Thanks so much for listening. Have a Merry Christmas if you hear this before Christmas and a Happy New Year.